answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Thanks for joining us today. Both myself and my co-host here, we have both financial advisors, practicing financial advisors. And we spend our weekdays with people like yourself come here in the studios to broadcast on the weekends to be your financial advisors on the air. So whether you have advisors you're working with now or you're just getting started, whatever the case, um, we would um, like to be your financial advisors on the air and talk about um, answer your questions or and talk about actually, what's important to you. Let's, um, let's spend a minute. Um, I know we talked about it last week, but let's actually spend a minute about the word advisor and fiduciary because I know we talked about it last week with an example of a a local advisor uh, in the greater Sacramento area. But uh, we're going to spend a couple minutes uh, talking about uh, fiduciary. Yeah, a little later in the program. Yeah, a little later in the program. But I'd like to get to the calls if you want to join us. Give us a call at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. Yeah. And let's start right off in a little town called Somerset, Northern California, talking with Glenn. Glenn, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. How are you today? Hi, Glenn. We're great. How are you doing? Great. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, thank you. What I've got going is I manage all of my mother's finances. She's 83 years old. Uh, We lost my father at the end of last year. And shortly after that, completed the sale of the family home that they were in for 55 years. So escrow closed last year. 55 years. Yep. In the same house. That's amazing. (laughs) Same same house. Yeah. So they bought it for like $12,000 and sold it for considerably more. Yeah, well, 12000 was a lot of money back then, too. So It, it was. Uh, anyways, um, so we had some money uh, after, you know, all debts are paid. Uh, and she is now living in a senior apartment. And, you know, it has 4300 a month coming in between their, their Social Securities and pensions of my father's. Uh, so she seems to have enough for her monthly expenses unless she gets you know a spending bug um, but really should have enough there so what i'm looking for is a safe place to put several hundred thousand dollars that um, she has left from the sale of the house that would be safe um, relatively liquid in case we needed um, increased care she's 83 years old and has not been in the best of health but is still currently at independent uh so looking for your thoughts yeah and uh, when she passes away where are these dollars going yeah how many beneficiaries and who are they uh there are a total of five uh four kids and uh charity uh, equal distribution uh 20 percent to each and i'm currently the successor trustee she has resigned because uh, of blindness and disability, she just can't can't do it anymore. So I'm already the successor. Got trustee. it. And are there any other assets other than the proceeds from the sale of the home? No. Okay. Everything's been simplified. That is it. Uh, one bank account. All right. And, and uh, let me uh, just for the for for everyone else that uh, happens to be listening um, at this time. The reason we ask these questions about who the money is going to and how many is because that may drive the investment decision. So if you said, Man. well, Glenn, I'm if Glenn said I am the only beneficiary and the likelihood of uh, her not using the money is relatively high, then we would probably recommend a portfolio that isn't 100% safe. In other words, thinking we would want to make sure that there's plenty of money to take care of mom assuming mom needs incredible care at some point in time, but realizing that that the investments are based on your it's still, life expectancy. It's still a long-term life expectancy. But the fact that you've got four other beneficiaries, 
Plus, by you being the successor trustee, you have a fiduciary responsibility solely to your mother, not to any beneficiaries. Exactly. Okay, and so this is right. a this is a pretty easy uh, question to answer. So you want to go to bankrate.com. Um, and look to see who has the highest yielding money market. And, and in fact, I have one um, myself uh, at an institution, and I, there's two components to it. There's a check writing component of the money market account, and then there is a, um, a transfer component. So that doesn't come with a checkbook. So I have the bulk of my safe dollars, which I would call like my bank dollars, in this one that actually I can't actually write checks out of. Um, and I have just a little bit, a couple hundred dollars in this money market account. And so if I needed $5,000 tomorrow, I just go online and I transfer for the higher yielding one to the lower yielding one that has the check writing ability. And I write the check out. And for an FDIC. For an FDIC insured money market account. Um, and, okay, good. And, 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 and the reason I say go to bankrate.com is because they change these yields on these accounts will change on a weekly or monthly basis. So, and by, by, by the way, you're not going to make much money right now because safe money just doesn't pay much. It sucks. That's the reality. Yeah, yeah. you're getting one and a half, maybe one and three quarters, if if you know, depending upon the day you actually invest the dollars. But um, I think your okay. your primary concern is just being as safe as possible. And let's assume you said, look, um, I mean, one you could take the evidence and say. I'm going to invest these such that there's plenty of money. Should mom need long-term care tomorrow, there's plenty of money set aside for the next five years. I'm going to invest the rest in some growth investments. You could, right? Let's say you did that. And six months from now, um, the markets had a pullback. Your mother passed away at that time. Now, that, I mean, you, you technically could, you could have a sibling or somebody say, hey, you weren't Prudent with mom's money. Why'd you lose money here? Why'd you invest it this way? I should have inherited more. It, it, it yeah. just complicates things. It's for, not. It's, it's not, not worth, worth the hassle. So and we've seen people pass are, away during down markets. Yes. <laughs> it happens, right? Sure. So, so just go to bankrate.com. And I wouldn't buy a CD. You're not going to get much more out of a CD um, okay. than, or or at all, um, or at all. Um, okay. And so it's all under the FDIC limits, uh, so you're, you're fine. Uh, just go to bankrate.com and see who the Very highest good. yielding money market. And like I said, some have check writing ability, but typically the highest yielding ones, which will yield a quarter of a percent to three-tenths of a percent higher, don't have check writing ability. So it just requires you to open two accounts, and it makes you go through a, an extra step when well, you want the money. Could I just use, use one account because we already have? A, a joint account. Sure. She has her car, everything working. I just open the one at the higher amount and then transfer it to her you, her regular checking account if necessary. Yeah, Easy enough. Le yeah, leave enough money in your regular checking account so you don't think you're going to need to tap anything for six months or a year or whatever it makes it easy. It's not right. In okay. The scheme of things is not going to make that much difference. Yeah. So it's yeah, that's good. Good enough. It works. It works. But don't buy any annuities or anything like that. Yeah, don't it's, don't go to the you, you put the money in the bank. You may have been approached by someone at the bank already saying, you know, Mr. Glenn, there are yeah. uh, better opportunities for your money. Has, has that happened to you yet? Uh, no, but I'm, I'm aware of that. I do have my own personal financial advisor that, that I'm seeing on this as well. Uh, but I didn't want to put hers under professional because that eats up most of what she might make. Um, if you're just keeping and, and we, safe, yeah. There's if no, getting, there's no something simple and safe. Yeah, there's no value add there. Right. Yeah, Assuming I mean, your financial, okay. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And if your financial advisor tries selling you some sort of insurance product, get a new advisor. No, no, no. He, I've been with him a while. And Good. He, he says the same thing. Yeah, oh, okay. perfect, perfect, yeah. perfect. The All same right. page there. Perfect. But I appreciate Very the call. Good. Thanks, Glenn. I wonder if Thanks his advisor. I wonder if his advisor has listened to the program and they go, "What the heck." What's Glenn doing? Calling oh, these my. guys on the air? Yeah, like how many Glens are there in Somerset? It, <laughs> it, I mean, you know, one of the nice things about this, oftentimes, Pat, we just—it's second opinions, um, and it's a great—you know—calling the program is a great way for someone to just, yeah, my advisor giving me sound advice here. And I've seen situations like this where most insurance companies aren't going to write an, an annuity on an eighty-three-year-old, so they'll put it in. 
Glenn's name, yes. the young, younger person's name, a child's name. Uh, All I, kinds of It happened names. in my own uh, family. My grandmother, years ago, this has got to be 20-some-odd years ago, she came to me and she said, you know, Patrick, these people at the bank um, got me this great new thing. Can you look at it? And I'm like, sure, Grandma. Because... And I looked at it, and sure enough, they had taken the money out of her savings account, sold her an annuity where she was the owner. My father was the annuitant, and her three children were the beneficiaries. And it's because she was so old that they couldn't write an annuity on someone that old and get a full commission. So uh, they had her continue to be the owner of it. Yeah, lovely. But it's it's not unusual. Well, the banks are... Wells Fargo went through some of this uh, bad publicity for... But my own father last year, he was he got a new but the bank told him he got some new credit card and he was asking me about the credit card, he's a little concerned about the credit card, eighty one years old. And like, why do you what do you, why do you have a new credit card? The, here's what he says to me. This 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 is recollection of the conversation. They said it wasn't that safe to pay my bills using my debit card, because if something happens to my debit card, someone has access to my entire account. So you're better off getting a credit card. And then you could set up reoccurring bills that hit your credit card and then use your debit card, use your checking account once a month to pay off the credit card. Wait, uh, well, I think that's wrong. So my 81-year-old father suddenly has a credit card. For a new credit card. Correct. Through Bank of America. And what, what was the – so I, I'm just asking, Scott. I'm thinking the only motivation Bank of America would do that is so someone could get credit for issuing a new credit card. And then rack up rack up balance on the credit card so they can charge interest. Do you think that, but he, he, wouldn't your dad pay it in full? You're just uh, hoping, th- huh? What, I mean. What's the point? And that, by the way, there's no more risk in using the debit card to pay your bills. No, you're only on the hook card. max of 50 bucks, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's just, he, I, he, uh, he's telling me the story, I'm like, my my jaw hit the floor. I'm like, really? After Wells Fargo, this is what's happened to him at Bank. Of- He's an 81 year old man. You're get who an 81 year old man who's not asking for any credit, doesn't need a credit card, and you talk him into getting a credit card. You think compliance would have flagged that in the bank? But- you would think. Yeah. Oh, by the way, he just a little what we do at home for our reoccurring Netflix subscriptions. The gym we never go to that gets <laughs> <laughs> put on our our monthly credit card. We use a credit card that never leaves the house. We have a separate credit card that never leaves the house that we put all the monthlies on. And the reason behind that is nothing other than if that is less likely to get hacked or um, or where they they. Oh, because it's such a pain to change. So it's such a pain to go through and have to put your new credit card on all these different accounts. We just have a no fee credit card. You know, card a lot of we, the a lot of the credit cards now they will, you can continue to use the old number if there is a pre-established relationship with them. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, thank you for that. Well, never <laughs> mind that. Twenty twenty. <laughs> well, never mind that. Great advice. <laughs> so you actually don't have to go. The, at least that was my experience. Well. On the last time, I don't need to worry about it. Credit card got you. Anyway, let's continue with calls. But it is important to pay the gym fees, the one you never go to. Which, by the way, I actually am joking. I do go to the gym, and this is the worst time of the year if you go to the gym on a regular basis. Um, The first three to four weeks of January. That sounds very self centered. Okay, (laughs) I'm just telling you it is. I'm just thinking (laughs) you should be happy to see people that normally have not made their personal health a priority in their life that are taking the steps to make it a priority. Okay. And you, rather than rejoicing in that, you find the inconvenience of someone on the machine or whatnot. Um, out, your personal inconvenience is more important to you. You are, uh, that is correct, Scott. I am incredibly self-centered. Okay. But right. that's an excellent point. I was thinking it's not church. If it, I feel that way at church when it's crowded on Christmas. I always think, oh, at least they're here. Back. I, I, so years ago when we were, kids were little babies, at church you'd have to take rotation. Like once a quarter you'd have to work the nursery. And so I'm in the, I'm working the nursery and this little baby had 
diaper blowout, right? I mean, oh, just, yeah. yeah. And my wife, and it's getting near the end of the service, and my wife says, why don't you change your diaper? And I said, I'm not changing that baby's diaper. There's not a chance in the world. And like my wife's like, you're not going to change your diaper. I said, are you kidding me? This thing just blew apart, and mom's going to be here in five minutes. No, I'm not changing the diaper. And my wife was kind of upset, like, I should be changing this baby. I'm not changing the diaper. My wife says something like, what if this person is, hasn't been to church in 20 years and trying to get reconnected with God, and then after this result, never comes back to church again? I said, you know what? If, <laughs> if, if that's the way it goes, I'm sorry. I just can't change the diaper. That's actually pretty good for your wife. That's pretty she funny for Valerie. Diaper. Oh, she did? Yeah. Well, because your wife, uh, she cares more about uh, <laughs> being an apostle than you do. I guess. That's where I drew the line. All right. You know, pick up your cross type thing. That's where I drew that. <laughs> right yeah, there. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, continue back with calls. Uh, <laughs> 833-99-WORTH is the number to be part of the program. 833-999-6784. We're talking with David in Northern California. David, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott and Pat. Uh, Happy New Year. Thank you. Happy New Year to you. Yeah, pleasure to speak with you. We, my wife and I, have been listening to you for a few years now. We've got some excellent advice. Well, thank and, you. Um, Are you sure it was this show? <laughs> oh no, that's right. It might have been that other guy. Okay. Um, so my wife and I have both retired within the last year. I'm 62 and she is 60. And a couple of things that we're still trying to iron out um, is when to take Social Security. And how much how much Roth converting to do over the next um, few years? And in that light, we were confused about some advice that you gave to somebody earlier in December. Um, a man and his wife both were age sixty and preparing to um, retire at age sixty-two, and you suggested that one of them um, claim a spousal benefit and then wait till 70 and switch to their own. But it goes against what I know about um, spousal benefits and uh, deemed filing um, with Social Security. Okay. Um, Because isn't it, if you were born after January 1st, 1954, Mm -hmm. when you file for anything, you're deemed to file for all benefits so if, you're, if your own Social Security benefit is going to be larger than half of your spouse's at full retirement age, then you will have forever filed early. Isn't that, isn't that correct, or do I have that wrong? I don't know. Come again. So the file and suspend was the window that was closed, which you're referring correct. to. Correct. Yeah. Because that was a great planning technique. And I don't know the recall. I don't, I'm trying to recall what... I don't remember the call that no, you're referring to, um, but I understand what you're saying. Which I'm going to do some more research. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. So what you're saying is that uh, you're you're going to get the maximum of that. You're going to get the lower of that benefit, is what you just said. You're going to no, you, at any given time when you file, you you will be if you were born before January first, fifty four. When you file, you will be filing for any and all benefits coming to you. If a spousal benefit is great, you'll get a spousal benefit. If a spousal benefit is less, you'll get your own benefit. Yeah, yeah, but that was before uh, 54. Before, uh, what year were you born? 1957. Okay. But, um, but th- hmm. so th- that was the point. So when we talk about file and suspend... Versus it's the age 54 thing that I think that we've actually got the confusion, right? Okay. Because and it used it, to yeah, be a... Now f- they call it... Okay, keep talking. Now they call it a restricted a restricted application, which allows you to, if you were born before that time, you, you can't file and suspend, but you can but you can file only for a spousal benefit, allow yours um, to, to continue to... Uh, and, and max out and, and, and claim your own later. But from what I read in, um, now, you can't do that anymore. I don't know. That was not my understanding. Right? Because we're talking about okay. the changes after the file and suspend. 
So here's the with Social Security, there are so so many moving parts. So in our our process, when we do planning with our clients. We go through and use a Social Security planning tool along with our other financial planning tools to come out what's the best alternatives, essentially, because there's not always a right answer because it's based upon a lot of, of future unknowns. How long we're going to live, what's going to change is the benefits, all those other things. Um, so what is it you're trying to accomplish? Well, what we're trying to accomplish is um, you know, essentially get the uh, find the sweet spot for us and we have run through another financial advisor, um, a calculator that shows us both, you know, a sweet that uh, the I guess the payback would be somewhere in our mid-80s, the break-even point, I should say. Um, but and you're so you're cons- but you're also cons- you're also considering about doing some Roth conversions, right? Right. So you know, if we put off taking Social Security, um, we can convert more. Um, we do have some fairly significant um, um, assets, so. You know, in a vacuum, from what you guys have advised you've given others before, we you would probably uh, advise us to to think about taking it early. But I wonder if putting it off a little bit to maximize our Roth contributions doesn't make sense. That so that so that actually so that so so this is so you brought up a call that I have no recollection of, um, and and so I can't point to that instance. And then you brought up this this. Uh, the spousal benefit and starting it early, but, but you use the word in a vacuum, right? But, but, but your Mm -hmm. finances don't live in a vacuum. There's, there's all different types of levers. So if you were sitting in, and I assume you have some pension income coming in right now. Yes. Okay. How much pension income do you have coming in between the two of you? 56,000 a year between the two of you. And how much money do you have in Mm -hmm. IRAs approximately? Uh, in IRAs, about um, two point two qualified. Okay. Wow. All right. I would think I would be. You're thinking the exact right uh, thought here. And how's your health? Very good. Okay. So, uh, so in your situation, and this is the actually window. Uh, you retired last year in the two, year 2019. Yes. Okay. This is the window. This is absolutely the window this year, next year, the year after, and maybe the two years after that it are the years that you want to look at uh, Roth. And how much money do you have outside of IRAs in liquid cash that you can live on? A couple hundred thousand in cash, and then there's a brokerage account of about 800,000. Okay. So you have enough assets. So you're you're you should postpone or at I, least certainly consider that yeah once you run through the numbers scott you could you would say that you should probably postpone your your uh, your uh social your, security for a number uh, do of you years plan, do you plan on being in california indefinitely most likely most okay. likely so you haven't had discussions about moving to boise idaho like the other half of our clients <laughs> Uh, no, we've had discussions of moving to, uh, you know, a couple of other of those northern states. Okay. Um, but um, we think family will keep us here. Okay. So so this is – so the, I, the Social Security, based upon this $2.2 million IRA balance and the fact that you've got uh, these other assets that you could live comfortably on, and you can live on what, one hundred and twenty grand a year or hundred grand a year? What, what's the number? Probably a little less than that. Okay. Well, I would recommend you live on a little more than that to try to just enjoy it. <laughs> That's why he's got the money. I understand you hear that. that honey? That's why he's I, got the money. I understand it. You, you and hopefully the that the advisor you said you had an advisor do a financial plan that they actually probably looked yes. at the maximizing the Roth conversions in the next three to five years is my hope. Right. Um, right. But what we haven't really got an answer to is how far. How far into the into maybe the the next tax bracket up, other than the lowest, do you consider 
convert. I wouldn't go past the twelve percent. Oh, Scott, I don't know. I don't. I don't know that. I don't know that because what I would want to do is actually then figure. You know, they, right, so yeah. what I would want to do is to figure out. So Scott, it's easy to say, well, the, the next twelve percent. But what I would do is actually go back and do the math. And let's run the numbers, not just for two thousand and twenty twenty one. What's the a retirement plan's going to look like when you hit seventy two? And the required minimum yeah. distribution. Mm-hmm. And so you need to do some multi-year planning, and then that's when you come back and you look at probabilities of outcome. And what then, are the highest probabilities? And then make some deter. And you won't know the right answer until 20 years from now when you look back. But uh, you could possibly make an argument in this situation, Scott, that he doesn't do uh, Social Security till maybe even 70. Based upon this. Based upon what we know about you so far. So you've got to go through and actually do the planning. And, and your, your financial advisor should be able to, should be doing that for you, David. Really, this is the time to be doing that. This is an important decision you need to make. We've got to take a quick break. Stick around for more, more of Allworth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. Welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hanson. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you're with us today. Again, if you'd like to join our show, 833-99-WORTH. 833-99-WORTH. And, um, you know, Scott, I wanted to talk about an article that... Um, what did we say at the beginning of the show you were going to talk about? Oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That is right. Uh, so before, I came. Before it, you <laughs> bait and switch. I did come across this one um, that recently, which is going to require an investment brokers to actually give clients a comparison. Um, it this looks like it's going to happen. Yeah. It's the, it comes June from, of this year. The Securities Exchange Commission, and this could overturn because there's lots of lobbying against it, but part of... Uh, right now, it's set to become in... It's going to go live June 30th in 2020. Which is called Form CRS, which is Customer Relationship Survey, and it requires your commissioned broker, your commissioned broker, to actually walk you through an illustration of the difference between the services you get buying a commission product and uh, the services that you would get if you were uh, using a fee-based fiduciary. And so what made me dig this up and think about this was is that we introduced ourselves at the beginning of the show as advisors, financial advisors, Scott. Yes. But Everyone calls themselves financial Everyone advisors. Everyone in their, our business calls themselves financial advisors. Even those that are only insurance licensed that have no license to, to do anything else. Or or anyone that is just commissioned. So maybe we should introduce ourselves as fiduciary-based uh, advisors. That's good. Okay, That that's, sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being is that you need to understand when the difference between when you're actually getting uh, – fiduciary recommendation and commission-based recommendations, which means many people in our industry, they work on three, four, sometimes four different types of income structures. We work on a fee billing where we bill the accounts of the monies we manage on a preset scale, right? As a percentage of the assets that we manage, that's how we get paid. And we also have available uh, financial planning fees where you say, okay, I'm going to do a financial plan and this is what I'm going to charge you. But some people in our industry do that, that, and then sell large commission products as well. Yes. <clears throat> and sometimes you don't know the difference. And you don't know the difference. So it's important for you to know the difference. And ask the question. Yes. Easy are enough. you getting, tell me about how you and your firm are being compensated for this. And what are you being compensated? Yeah. That's just a good question right there. So. All right, let's uh, hit the phones here. 833-99-WORTH. Let's talk with Marilyn. Marilyn, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Well, thank you for taking this call. Hi. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. What can we do for you? Okay. In 2008, uh, my two of my brothers and I inherited 
mineral, some mineral rights um, that are in somewhere in southern, near Southern California. Okay. And they are leased out to some energy companies, independent exploration companies, uh, and they call them, um, or it's oil, gas, and mineral leases. Yep. Okay. Okay, so uh, now uh, they were giving us 25, uh, it, it's, I don't, don't remember exactly, I should have known this uh, before I called, uh, let's say 10 acres, I, I, maybe more than that, but there were 10 beneficiaries, so each of us get one-tenth, okay. and they are, the annual rental rate, this is back in 2008, was $25 an acre. Okay. And then our share, somehow or other, there was a royalty of one-eighth. So it's really a, a pittance. Well, yeah, it's $31. Uh, you're, you're figuring faster than I can, but we would get a check well, uh, every five, well, it's been five years, we get them. And it, it causes havoc with the income tax. You have to fill out this, you know, different schedule. And this is just way out of our uh, comfort level. Okay. And so how I've came to try to contact you or for information, I want, I'd like to know, number one, how do we get rid of these? We want to sell them. We want to get rid of it. Then number two, how do we figure out what the what the okay. mineral rights are i mean cuz cuz first it's my understanding we're selling the leasing of those well no i think we're really selling the mineral rights of the land and then it's up to the new owners to negotiate with yeah. so, so energy people so okay so it's quite it's quite common that uh, when you buy land, you don't control the rights to the minerals that are underneath the, the land or the oil or the natural gas or what gets extracted through fracking, right? So, yep. uh, right? So what you probably have, you probably, I'm just guessing, you, prob you probably have some land that, that might not be on anything on there at all, and some company paid some small amount to essentially – have the right, so in the future, if they want to do any exploring or fracking or something, they've got the rights to those assets. They have the option. But they're right? paying almost nothing. But they're paying, so you said you had 10 acres and it was $25 an acre, right? Okay, is wait, I'm, I have to back up. The, I'm looking at the map now, the parcel map. It is 70 acres, and the, the person who passed away uh, in the thing, it said that she owned 25% interest mineral rights and then there's a bunch of okay. of the southeast corner of the you know I you can't understand right. so that. So she owns 17 and a half acres, or 25 percent of those 70 okay. acres, which is 17 and a half. Okay, and then when she passed away, she deeded or left it, uh, bequeathed it to ten of us, and okay. it, and so and so and, and, you, and every five years you get a check, and you have to do some additional forms on your tax return. That is right. And then you get a check for 125 bucks every five years. Uh, yes, except this year, uh, last year when it became due, it was so it's just annoying. Okay, I so what, here's now, let's talk about this. So let's talk about you can basically call up the people and say just quit sending me the check. Yeah, but it doesn't cancel their option, right? It doesn't cancel their option. Or if say I just want to give it, uh, or I want to give it to one of the other beneficiaries and see if they want it. But that's not what, what, where the issue is. So let's imagine, because it sounds like it's an option. They're not actually extracting anything on the mineral rights. It's an well, option. Well, we're not sure. We're not. See, we don't know. That's the problem. I called uh, the the agent, I guess it is. Uh, they're very friendly, by the way. There, there's no hostility <laughs> okay. or anything. But um, I, I, I said, well, how can we find out what the value is? Well, we don't know. We, we don't give that. We don't have that information. Well, they don't know it. They don't know it. And, and, and here's my point there. You could, you could just say, just keep your money, right? Correct. And the option would still exist. And if they discovered uh, oil or, you know, let's say that the, they were the, Bev the Clampets and the De Beverly Hillbillies and they were out hunting one day and they hit oil. Right. <laughs> we all know this story, right? Yes. And they hit oil. 
then you would start getting more income because they just had an option, assuming that that you actually were able to participate in what, what was extracted from the ground. But if it were me, because the, the, the tax filing probably cost you more than it's worth. Exactly. Right? Right. First yes. of all, I'd, I'd figure out whether that was true or not. Yeah, I would too before I, I before I did anything. I would I would figure out they're, they're not extracting anything on it right now. Right, and it might be well, in an we area. Don't know. No, they well, have, well you, they may have hit a vein, or they may be what you said. Those well, other then, then you would terms, then you'd be receiving you'd be receiving more income than twenty five bucks a year. Uh, who who? How do we know? That's where I, I just feel like we're in this big dark. Uh, you know, we're getting this twenty five whatever, uh, getting this check. And we and we all three of us want to sell, and we can't find the value. We can't. We don't know. How about if just then, if that's really I, what you want to do, just call up the company and say, "Hey, how do I just give you? I've got this ownership. How do I just give it to you guys? I don't want this anymore. Can I just give it back to you?" Okay, they I will can sell buy this it, but to it might you have for value, a, and then you just you're, that's you're out of luck. You no, know, that's right. No, they that's can, what you said. What you wanted to do. I'm not saying that's what you should do. I'm oh, saying I'm that's sorry. How you can do it. Hey, yeah. I wanted to sell, but I mean, we want to sell, but we want to know the value before we do. Well, the, the, well, here's what determines the value of anything, Marilyn. It's what one party is willing to pay another party. I've got a pin in my hand that my wife bought me 26 years ago. It's silver with a little bit of gold on it. Uh huh. I I don't know why I brought this up. It's just with the pin I'm holding. I have no uh-huh. idea. The only thing this is worth is what somebody is willing to pay me for it. Perhaps okay. Jasmine, who produces the program, would be willing to pay me $10 for it. If that's the case, there's not a chance in the world I'm going to give it away for $10. Okay. But Actually, maybe Paul. I don't know what I'd give it away for because I've had it for like roughly 26 years. I've not never lost it. But it's now probably worth more to me. Paul's got right. a bid in the in the booth for $100 on that. So we know the new market value is 100 <laughs> right? So the point being is you're never going to know the value of that particular Parcel land or anything else until you put it on the market, right? So you and, can, there, and there's no market for something that pays twenty five dollars a year. But no, you, but I, and I hear you, folks, uh, and I so appreciate this. But they may have hit. Uh, they may be making hundreds of thousands. You can ask them. You could ask them. No, they won't. T- I, I. That's that's why when I call. Oh, you got to write them a letter and and tell oh. them you've got to write them a letter. And say, oh. look, we want to know what activity is taking place on this property. Um, okay. What what activity is taking place on this property? Is there any activity? Has there been any oil, uh, any mineral or oil exploration? Have you found anything? Is there any active activity on the property? Then, okay. then, then maybe I'd go to Google Earth and I'd okay. look at the property from Google Earth to see if, what's going on around it. And if you and- don't see any anything within... 10 miles that looks like they're extracting anything, then it's probably plausible. I'd actually start at Google Earth, quite frankly. Well, wouldn't fracking uh, uh, negate that? I mean, yeah, that's why I said 10 miles. That's why I said 10 right. miles. California. And it wouldn't be, you, you're, you're 70 how much, fracking, how much fracking they've been doing in California? Anyway, oh, I would, I would, I'd write them a letter and I'd go to Google Earth. All right. Do you, do you think there is any state? Okay. Uh, I went on. I, there's an, actually a department in California, a Good state luck. department, that deals with this. <laughs> Someone keeps. Yeah, there there is a department that keeps track of who owns mineral rights. Look, I have a well, I have a brother-in-law that works for a large oil company, which he actually writes software that determines who gets paid mineral rights on and taxes on where all the uh, oil comes out of the ground That's all over the United. That's his job. And, said they and guess he, sometimes. And he and, said we give Maryland twenty five bucks. And he said they guess sometimes. So I would I'd write them Maryland. I would I yeah. do it as simple as this. So that's okay. you understood the risk, right? You understood the risk, but you could tell them not to send you the money, and it would still keep the option open. Well, then I would be uh, uh, insulting the poor deceased person who. Okay, was well a then. I, I mean, I, I don't think they'll to- know. But, <laughs> but my point being, write them a letter, uh, write the, yes. the company a letter asking them, hey, what's going on with this property? Have you done anything on the property? And then go take a look at Google Earth. My guess is it's not costing you that much more to, to add this tax return 
uh, no, tier tax. No, it isn't. And I, I, I totally agree. But we just, I, I seem to have run into dead ends that state uh, department had a list of people, only about six or seven, who were licensed to sell mineral. I, I couldn't find any real estate agent who would take it on. It was, it's, and I even have a nephew who's involved in. in yeah, uh, they're not going to do that. Business. No, that's got no value. It doesn't have any well, value. He was, He's they were more concerned about not the value. I mean, it could be worth something. I mean, that's the bottom line too. Okay. But they they were concerned about the technicalities of it. Yeah, I get that. Well, well good luck price. with this. Appreciate the call. Okay. Yeah, if it were me, right, thank you. If it were me, I would spend. Zero time on it. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't worry me. about it at all. I just continue to file in my taxes. Every five and years, like for the best. Should. Hey, Scott, before we move on, uh, we need to talk about uh, some upcoming events that we have in the Sacramento area. Okay. Uh, we have some, actually, in both Denver and Sacramento, we have our seven personal decision points for retirement transition coming up on the week of January. Workshops, our free educational yeah, workshops. They're about 75 minutes long. Last year, we had over 10,000 people registered to attend. Um, and we have five of them in the greater Sacramento area the week of January 27th. And in Denver, we have five of them the week of January 27th. I recall when we did these last time, we only had three or four. Um, A lot of people come to them. And essentially, if you're within... Two, three, four years of retirement, two months of retirement. I mean, you're going to want to come. You're going to want to come to um, uh, this workshop because it lays out all those areas that you need to consider as you're looking towards um, your own retirement. So, for full information, just simply go to allworthfinancial.com, and you're going to get um, um, you'll 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 see what where they are and get a chance to register. And I think they're. I think they're worthwhile. So let's uh, continue on with calls. Again, to join the program, our contact number, 833-99-WORTH. Again, toll-free, it's 833-999-6784. And we're going to talk to Vince. Vince, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hey, good morning. How are you? Hi, Vince. We're great. Thanks for joining us. Well, I've, uh, I listen to your show on podcasts every week, and so I get a lot of great advice. So I uh, wanted to share my thoughts where I'm at right now, especially with the, the market changing the last couple of weeks and just wanted to get your feedback. So right. I'm 65 years old, married, and I expect to work until I'm 70. Um, number one goal is to pay off our primary residence, uh, which would be in the next five years. Um, a primary residence, and we also have some rental property is worth just a little bit over a million dollars. Uh, and these two properties are our only form of debt uh, which is about 490000 Um My wife and I, we both uh, have about 195000 in retirement accounts, of which about 120000 is in 401Ks and then 70000 in IRA accounts. So that's e each um, one of you have approximately one ninety five. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the 401K is uh, invested 100% into the Vanguard Target Retirement 2025. And then we also have about 100000 in cash state. So, you know, regarding our annual retirement savings, you know, I'm, I'm maxing out my 401k at the 25000 a year, and then we're, you know, adding an additional 20000 a year in savings. So if, if all goes as planned, you know, the goal will be to sell our rental property in five years and use the, the equity uh, our equity from the payoff to pay off our primary residence at retirement. So, you know, that, you know, is that, is that, with, is, is that calculating some increase in the value of the rental? Um, that's actually at the current value of the rental. And I think I had uh, scheduled in about uh, three to 4% annual. Increase. And is the, is the rental provide, are you net, are you cash flow positive on the rental now? Yes. Yeah, it's about a six to seven percent return on investment, and over the next five years, the actual income that we receive is offset by the uh, depreciation. Yeah. Okay. So you know. So what's your so, what's the question for us? So I guess the question is, you know, I've heard, especially in the last couple of weeks, um, and I know everybody's situation is different depending on 
their position um, with the retirement accounts, but does this sound like the right thing for us to do in terms of, you know, taking the equity out of the, uh, the, the rental property in five years and then paying off our primary residence over, so, you know, literally debt-free and just really looking at the minimum how required much, distribution. How much do you make a year now? Um our adjusted gross income is uh, probably about two hundred and forty thousand a year. And will you have a pension of any sort? No, it's just the retirement accounts that I have here. And uh, will your wife have a pension of any sort? No, she'll be relying upon uh, the distribution of these as well. She's um, a little bit younger than me, so she probably would retire in maybe eight years. I guess the uh, so the the stock market allocation doesn't concern me. Uh, but what I kind of big question mark in my head is if this rental you're planning on selling in five years to pay off the house, so the house can be paid off in five years. Why are you why why don't you just sell it today? Because it's got the yield of six percent on it, and he's using well, how much depreciation. Is that correct? Vince? Yes. Yeah, we're we're profiting about ten thousand a year. So okay. So so here's here's the answer to the question. There, I don't know whether I'd sell it in five years or not. What do you owe on your primary residence? Uh, about three hundred and fifty-five thousand, and in in five years, that would be just slightly under two hundred. Well, and we have a fifteen fifteen-year mortgage, which is about you know a little bit. Yeah. Over so, 10 years so based on your income of $240,000 a year, uh, your standard of living, this is just rough looking at that. If you pay off that rental, the house, you most certainly should do that. So you get rid of that debt, and it actually would make the overall portfolio a little bit more conservative. Your account balances of $390,000 in your IRAs and 401ks in five years at the current rate would probably, you know, at a decent rate uh, increase what? and the maximum contribution of $25,000 a year to those. Um, she puts you at about six fifty to 5%, yeah. 30000 what, what are you paying on your mortgage? Uh, we're paying it's 4000 a month. 4000 a month. 40000 yes. And your Social I still Security is 2700 I, 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 I mean, I see one of the, one of the, if I were in your situation, the problem, the, one of the challenges I see is that you've got a strategy that's going to say in five years you're going to pull a trigger. You've got a five-year hold on that rental property, essentially. Uh, and for me, a five-year hold on on real estate, stocks, is a too a little short for me. Yeah, maybe. So you're thinking, why wouldn't you just do it yeah, today but my and call it a day? My concern is what happens if, if you're about to retire and the markets, you can't, I mean, you know what it's worth today. And if your goal is to, is to, if you're trying to mitigate risk and you can do it today, then you should probably do it today. Is that the point, yeah. Scott? Yeah. And then take right. that equity, pay down that mortgage. Right now. You're not getting any tax benefits from the rental because your um, uh, your income's too high. Right, right. And it kind of leads to the second part of my question is, you know, I, I moved the, um, the target retirement funds, you know, 120000 to the 2015 fund, which really flipped my equity bond. Well, well, yeah, why? Okay. 65 bonds and 35 equities, just because in the last few weeks, what I've seen going on with the market and just, you know, okay. age, I've seen the market so, flip so, a few times. Vince, so. you're making an argument as to why you should actually sell that rental and um, and pay down the house. Because... While you're do, while you're making the portfolios more conservative in the market, which you shouldn't be, which you shouldn't be, because at age seventy, when you go to retire, you still have a life expectancy of sixteen years, um, and your wife is eight years younger than you, um, so hers is twenty eight years, um, being a female. E e you're addressing risk on one part of the portfolio, which is what shows up on a statement with numbers, and you're ignoring the other part of the portfolio, which is the which is debt on it, which is the debt and the value of the rental property. So, in order to make this all work right, I agree with Scott. I would look at selling the house now, paying down the rent, uh, taking that, paying down 
the primary mortgage. The, the primary mortgage is what's going to stop you from actually yeah, retiring four comfortably grand a month. at $4,000 a month. That's the equivalent yeah. Yeah. of about uh, a pre-tax dollars of about $60,000 a year coming in. Um, and then you look at your Social Security benefits of $2,700 a month approximately. Um, and then you look at your portfolio. A if you wait till 70. Uh, uh, and then you look yeah, at your... Yeah, it's actually about 3800 30, if I wait 70, yeah. Oh, 38, okay. Um, Plus my wife. Yep, yeah, well, yeah. So I, I, I think you should sit down and visit with a financial advisor. I think that you under-allocated equities in your portfolio. Um, moving it to the 2015 target date. And you got to think about it's not just your retirement, it's both of you, and, and the age difference between you and your wife is 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 extremely relevant in this situation. Yeah, because that's, that's my concern is looking over the next five years. I mean, I look to put another 200000 towards my retirement accounts over the next five years. So, you know, that's the other question is where do I put this 200000 Do I... Your 401k. And you're saying I should look more long-term, yeah, and yeah. 401k and, even, and cash. I mean, yeah, the I, day you're going to retire, uh, you're not spending it all. So your life, I mean, your your time horizon is actually very long with your money. Yeah. So, so, the, okay. so you're giving us conflicting. Um, you're conflicted because one of your assets you're actually planning on five years and you're not mitigating the risk, and the other one you're miti over mitigating the risk on. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Interesting. More food for thought. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sit, it is. Sit it down is. with I mean, a qualified advisor. Okay. Great. Thank All right, you. Vince. I appreciate it. All right. Well, we are almost out of time, unfortunately. And I just want to encourage people it is January of, of 2020. We've all probably had lists of things that we want to accomplish this year or whether you make resolutions or not. The first part of the year is always a good time to kind of reassess your finances, reassess to make sure you've got the right kind of investment mix. So I just encourage all of you uh, to take some time to look through, take inventory of what you got. Maybe visit with a financial advisor uh, if, if you think that's appropriate. Increase necessary. your 401k contributions if you yeah, can. And make some steps to make sure that 2020 is going to be a great year for you financially. So anyway, we're out of time. Uh, we are here every week at this same station. And, of course, you can also listen to a podcast, which I think more listeners listen via podcast now, which we appreciate. Anyway, enjoy the rest of your day, rest of your weekend. We'll see you next week. This has been All Worth Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.